Hey, we are, we're excited today to, to kick off this series, Asking for a Friend, and I believe the next several weeks is, as we, uh, I say this in faith, as we dive into the fall season, the fall season, the 80s, come on, just, just the middle 80s would be great, thank you, Lord. I believe this is going to be a series that, that connects with us, uh, and if you've got friends that are maybe away from God, I believe that we're going to answer questions that uh, whatever season of life that we're in, maybe if we're brand new in our faith, we've been serving God for a long time, I believe that these are, are questions and conversations that are going to encourage and grow all of us, and uh, so, so excited about what God is doing in the life of our church. Asking for a friend, I, I love this, this idea, you know, we see people do this a lot on, on social media, you know, put out a question, just hashtag asking for a friend. It, it, it's, it's our culturally fun way of saying, I'm okay, but they've got issues. But if you'd answer them, because I'd really like to know, because actually I've got issues, I just want to hide behind this perfect uh, persona I've got on social media, because I'm asking for a friend. But, but the truth is, I think these are questions and conversations that we all deal with. And today, I want to talk about how do I deal with discouragement? How do I deal with discouragement? And I doubt this will connect with anybody in the room, but maybe somebody online. No, we, we all deal with discouragement, don't we? I, I mean, whether it's finances, health, family, relationship, you probably don't have to go back too far into your week to find a time, even at some point in the past seven days, where life hit you out of nowhere, where something happened that you weren't expecting, you dealt with a difficulty in your life, and you had to either, you had, either had to deal with it or you had to overcome it. And for many of us, that's the struggle, is when we deal with discouragement, deal with depression, deal with disappointment in our life, we have so many unhealthy ways of dealing with it. I think two of the biggest ones are oftentimes we isolate it and we medicate it. We isolate it and we medicate it. And I'll just be the first to say that, you know what? I'm a medicator, everybody. I tell you, when I'm feeling down, there's nothing like going and getting a good meal. Can I get an amen in the room? And I'm not talking about like, you know, some, some cabbage and, you know, uh, some, some fresh produce. I'm talking about like where the grease is flowing out the cheeseburger. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the food that puts you in a coma right after you eat it. I, I mean, I love sweets, everybody. I, I, you're gonna, this will be the last time you hear me talk about my, my, my issues. I mean, I, I like when I'm feeling good, I like M&M's. And when I'm feeling bad, I like M&M's. And when things are just okay, I like M&M's, you know? I mean, you, you, you actually, you take that word stressed and you turn it around, you know what it spells? Desserts. That's right. Come on. I, I mean, and I think many of us, we, we, we have unhealthy ways of dealing with it. And food's a big one. I, I love the meme of the guy that said, I, I don't need a personal trainer. I just need someone to slap food out of my hands, you know? That's me right there. And I, and I think that discouragement is something that hits all of us. And I don't know what discouragement you're going through this morning, but I want to let you know that you're not alone. You're, you're not the only one dealing with the pain and the heartache and the struggle you're going through. As a matter of fact, when you look at the Bible and you look at great men and women of faith, 
we recognize that they too dealt with depression. They too dealt with discouragement. Even one of the greatest men in all the Bible had suicidal thoughts. And, and, and today I want to just spend a few minutes looking at one of these great characters, this guy Elijah. We're going to go to the Old Testament. If you've got your notes, go ahead and grab those this morning. And, and I want to look at this character because there's something about this guy that is, is so peculiar that the way God uses him and blesses him, but the situation that he finds himself. And I'll kind of set up where we're going to be. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19, looking at the story of Elijah. And this is a great man of God. Uh, Just to kind of set up where we're at in chapter 19, this is a man that, that God uses in one of the most difficult times in Israel's history. They're ruled by a, a horrible king, uh, Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Queen Jezebel and, and the people of God have completely turned their back on the one true God. And God calls Elijah to be a great man of faith. He goes to the king and says, man, it's not going to rain for years. But God protects Elijah. He sends him to a, a special place east of the Jordan River where God provides water for him. And then amazingly, God provides food. He has ravens showing up in the morning. I mean, come on. you got to be a man of faith when the birds are feeding you in the morning and the evening. Not only that, he finds uh, later on when the brook dries up, he makes his way to a widow's home. And during that time while he's staying at the widow's house, her son dies and Elijah places his body and pray, uh, on top of him and prays to God that God would revive him and God revives him. And one, one miracle after another, you just go, man, th- this is amazing. I, I mean, this is an incredible man of God. And it, The story makes its way to chapter 18, where I think it's one of the greatest feats of Elijah's life. It's one of the greatest showdowns in all the Bible. You have Elijah, the prophet of God, against 450 prophets of Baal. He's a little outnumbered, but his confidence, his courage, his faith, he he, he walks into this situation, he challenges this guy. I, I love a good competition, man. I mean... I'll even watch a cooking show just because it's competitive. You know, I mean, any, anything that involves competition is, is fun to me. And here Elijah finds himself in this great showdown. They build their altar to the false gods. And it's, it's pretty interesting how it all goes down because they, they begin to call fire out of heaven and, and uh, nothing happens. And so these, these guys do everything they can. And, and, and Elijah starts to, to mock these false prophets. He said, Maybe, maybe your God is asleep. Or, or maybe, maybe your God is, is taking a nap. Maybe you need to shout a little bit louder. And then he takes it another level. He said, maybe your God is relieving himself. You know, like he's taking a leak, man. He just can't come right now. It's in the Bible, it, I promise. And, uh, and, and he's got all this confidence and courage. And, and this showdown happens. And they start cutting themselves and doing all these rituals. Bottom line is, no God ever shows up. No fire ever comes down. And Elijah builds, a prophet, uh, builds an altar to the one true God. Twelve stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Places a ram on the altar. He takes it. A st- his confidence is so strong. He says to the false prophet, why don't you guys go grab some buckets of water? And they pour one time, two times, three times water on the altar. And Elijah, full of faith, he calls out to the one true God. And God sends fire from heaven and consumes that sacrifice, and then he takes it a step further. He runs after those 450 knuckleheads, and he kills every last one of them, like, come on, man, I got this. I mean, he's a mighty man of God. 
You, you think, man, there's nothing too hard for this guy. It, believing in, in the Lord, the confidence, the faith. He's on the mountaintop. And then we get to chapter 19. And this is what's so interesting. Let's read together. Verse 1, it says this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, this wicked queen. She says, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was, everybody say the next word. Come on, say it again. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He just killed 450 false prophets. And now he's, he's retreating from one woman. Maybe he's a smart man. I don't know, you know. I, but, but, but he hears that the queen's out for him, and he runs for his life. And then it says this. And this is where I want to focus this morning, because I think this is the season that many of us find ourselves in. Verse 3. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Have, have you been like Elijah ever in your life or ever this? I have had enough, Lord. I've had enough of my kids, Lord. I've had enough of my husband, Lord. Would you just go ahead and take him now? We, we've been there. One minute he's on the mountaintop slaying evil men. The next minute he's in the valley. He says, take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. It, it's interesting, everybody, that a man of such great courage and of such faith could be on the mountaintop one day and be on the valley the next. Isn't that the way life goes sometimes? Oh, come on. Some days you feel like you're the best mom in all the, all the world. The next day is you want to kill your kids. The, one, one day you feel great about your job, and, and the next day you're wondering, oh, man, is it safe? Is it secure? I, maybe I need to look for a new opportunity, you know? Life has a way of bringing us mountaintop moments and valley moments. L let me just share this, because I believe it's so important that we need to understand is that oftentimes the greatest valleys in our life happen right after the greatest mountaintops. Let me tell you today, if, if you're in a great place with God and a great place in your life, just go ahead and buckle up, all right? You know, I think it's interesting. We're doing baptism next week. I'm encouraging you, if you're new in your faith, get baptized next week. It's the, it's the command of Jesus. We're going to celebrate with you. It's going to be amazing. But let me tell you this. I see so many people that get baptized. Their faith is high. And the next week, man, they experience spiritual attack like they never have. And I'm like, dude, what, what were you expecting? You just put a bullseye on you, man. I, I mean, when you go hard after God and things are going well in your life, the enemy is looking to do everything he can to derail you. I love the wisdom that my dad's always told me. He said, Wes, in ministry, he said, make sure you, you never do one thing. Never make any big decisions on Mondays. Never make any big decisions on Monday. He said, your emotions are unstable. He said, I promise you, you're going to want to quit just about every Monday. And he's right. And Tuesday comes around, and I love God, and I love the church again, and everything is good. It's not you. It's all those other people out there, you know. That, that, they're not here this weekend. 
It's, it's, it's them. It's them. But he says, he, he, he said, it's great wisdom. He said, don't make, he, you know, another way to say it is this. Don't quit in the dip. Don't quit in your despair. Don't quit when you're down. Some of you are walking through a down season. You feel like giving up on every good thing in your life. Let me tell you, don't do it. Your emotions are unstable in that moment. Man, allow God to renew you and restore you. And we find that right on the backside of the greatest mountaintop in Elijah's life, he's in the greatest despair and depression of his life. And I think there's four things, if you're taking notes, that oftentimes lead to burnout and lead to depression and discouragement in in our lives. Number one is this. We wear ourselves out. We wear ourselves out. We we live in a culture where we're addicted to busy. Do you hear me this morning, church? Come on. you, You know it's the case. Let's just admit it. You have 18 alarms on your phone just to remind you to do the important things like pick up your kids. And wake up and, you know, take your medicine. Oh, the alarm, it's time to eat now. You know, it's like, you're just so busy. I mean, we have to have alarms just to survive. Because life is happening so fast and we're doing so much and we wonder why we find ourselves where we feel like, my life is just falling. Your life isn't falling apart. God's blessed you. God's, I mean, we may be going through some difficult times, but man, I mean, we got air conditioning in the room this morning. We drove to church today. When you get to your, your, your house, you're going to hit that button and, and, and you're going to put that Batmobile inside the garage. Some of you, you know, some of us, we just have so much stuff, we don't even get the car inside the garage. And we're so discouraged about how bad life is. It, oftentimes, it's just because we don't have any balance. We're addicted to busy. We're just overtaxing ourselves. And we wear ourselves out. Number two is we shut people out. We shut people out. What did Elijah do? He ran for his life, and then he even said goodbye to his, to his, his companion. And he found himself all alone. Can I just remind you this morning, isolation is a trap. Isolation is a trap. If you find yourself in a place not wanting to connect with the people that love you the most that are going to be by your bedside when you're dying, you're, you're in an unhealthy place. You're at a place where you need God to restore you. And I've been there so many times because the the tool of the enemy is isolation. Go back to Adam and Eve, everybody. What's the first thing they did when they sinned? The first emotion man ever felt was fear. They were afraid and they hid. The, The greatest tool of the enemy in your life is to get you all alone. And when we're discouraged and we feel like things aren't going the way they should be, when when something blindsides us, we oftentimes retreat. And And that's not where we need to be to find healing in our life. We shut people out, we wear ourselves out. Number three is we focus on the negative. I didn't read it, but here in this passage, Elijah just starts crying his heart out to God. He's just and half the things that he's saying aren't true, but, but he's so overwhelmed in this moment that all he can see is through a negative filter. I think sometimes when we're depressed and when we're discouraged, we often exaggerate the truth. 
Oh, come on. You know it's true this morning. You're getting real quiet on me, man. Maybe I'm just... I know, I, know, I know it's true. We exaggerate the truth. I, I love what we walk through counseling. One of the greatest tools that, that our counselor, our marriage counselor ever said, us, it said, you, said to us, that you have to remove two words from your vocabulary, always and never. Always and never. Because oftentimes when our emotions are inconsistent and our life is out of whack, we say things like, man, you're... You never do the laundry. <laughs> you, 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 never, you never do that. Well, you always do it like that. And, 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 and maybe that's the case a lot of the times, but oftentimes we exaggerate the truth. Man, it's never going to work out the way I want it to work out. Man, it always goes that way. And oftentimes we, we, we focus on the negative. Number four is this. I believe burnout, this is one of the signs of burnout, is we wrestle with unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. And this one is huge, everybody. It's the gap between what I hoped for and what actually happened. Unmet expectations. It's the gap between what I hope. It's the feeling all the Eagles had last week when they were expecting to win. Some of us today are living in the gap. The gap of, man, what, this isn't where I plan for my life to be when I turn 40. This isn't where I thought our family would be. I thought we'd be further along by now. Man, I, I thought we'd be doing greater things. And you live with discouragement and disappointment, forgetting that God has you right where he wants you to be that he has a perfect plan and, and you're not there, maybe you're not there on purpose because God needs you to be in this season during this time. I, I love the story that illustrates this so well. I love the story of this lady, Georgine Johnson. I've shared this before. She was 42 years old. She was unhappy and out of shape when she committed to make some changes in her life to make the second half better than the first. Her first act of improvement, running. Georgine decided to enter a 10K race that was coming up in her community. She prepared herself, and when race day came, she was ready to run the six-mile course. The race started, and about four miles in, she turned to a fellow runner and asked why they were going to make the turn to head back. The fellow runner looked at her with a puzzled glance and kept running. Why the odd look? Well, it turns out Georgine wasn't running the 10K she had signed up for. That actually started at a later time. Instead, she was running the Cleveland Marathon. And 26 miles later, she crossed the finish line. She had never run that far or that long, but she kept going. When asked after the race why she didn't stop, she said, this is not the race I trained for. This is not the race I entered in, but for better or worse, this is the race that I am in. I, I just want to encourage somebody in the room today, because some of you today are running a race that you didn't train for, and you're running a race that you never thought you would be in, but for better or the worse, this is the race that God has you in this season. Don't let unmet expectations keeping you, keep you from God's best in your life today. Man, he has you right where you want. He knows what you're going through, and he cares about you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. 
Let, let me give you a few things this morning that I believe we can learn from Elijah's story that will just encourage us and help us deal with discouragement in our life. The first thing I notice from Elijah's story is, number one, we got to take time to reset. Take time to reset. I don't know if you've ever been like me dealing with IT problems, but one of the greatest frustrations after I've sat on the, on the phone waiting for, for somebody to get on the other line dealing with a computer issue or a phone issue or some type of IT issue, they do it every single time. And I'm so gullible and I fall for it almost every single time. I'll wait and wait and I'll have that jingle memorized as I wait for that person to get on the other line. And the first thing they ask, right, would you go ahead and restart the machine? No, man, it can't be that. It can't be that. And so many times, I think what we fail to do is we try to fix all the issues, but we don't let things reset in our life. And here's what I notice in 1 Kings verse 5. It says this. It says, then he lay down, talking about Elijah, he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread. I love any passage of scripture that says cake in it. <laughs> it says he looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Look what it says, everybody. He ate and drank and then laid down again. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good Sunday afternoon to me. (laughs) He slept. The angel showed up, made some food, and then he took another nap. I, I I don't know what your vacation is like. That's the perfect vacation to me. I wake up and I think, where are we going to eat? And then I go get some rest while I think about what are we going to eat next. Anybody else with me in the room? Come on. It's, yeah. That's just, that's just, I'm simple like that. That's just a good time to me. And some of us, we are, we're in this unhealthy cycle of go, go, go. Got to do, got to have, got to get. I need something else to fill the void in life. And the thing that we need the most is just to take a minute to rest and reset and let God speak to us. Let God renew our mind and remind us that that we're loved, that he's got a plan, that even though we walk through discouraging seasons, that things are gonna be okay. Not try to fix it all the time. But but how how are we changed? How do we begin? By the renewing of our mind. By the renewing of our mind. Check your gauges. Let me let me ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing spiritually? How are things in your life spiritual? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you putting him first? How are you doing physically? I mean, what, what, what does our diet look like? Because so often we can get the spiritual right, but if we don't get the physical right, then, then man, they, they're not working together in harmony. How, how are you doing emotionally? Are, are, are we just finding joy based on how many people like our social media posts? I mean, are we craving attention and craving craving satisfaction from the world? Are we looking for for people to satisfy the the desires that only Jesus can fill? Man, let's check the gauge. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter how sweet your engine looks in your car. If you don't have gas, you ain't going anywhere. 
I love what Psalm 127 says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. My prayer for somebody in the room is that you lay your head down tonight and you experience rest like you've never experienced. For somebody struggling with anxiety and struggling to experience the true rest that God, you know what I'm praying? God gives you the best eight hours you've ever had tonight. I believe it in Jesus' name because there's something powerful about, about rest and let God reset us and renewing us. Take time to reset. Number two, pour your heart out to God. Pour your heart out to God. We, we, we see this in this story. That's what Elijah does. He said, don't, God, don't you understand? And the... The knucklehead children of Israel, man, they're not obeying you, and I'm I'm doing everything I can to help turn their heart back to you, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm insecure, and now I've got a queen that's trying to kill me. Let me tell you this. God loves even the deepest cries of our heart. When's the last time you got alone and you just poured your heart out to Jesus? When's the last time you just confessed to him, you know what, God? I'm struggling today. God, I need you today. God, I, I've been trying to fix the issues in my life. I've been trying to fix my marriage. I've been trying to fix my, I'm trying to fix everything. And God, I just need you to bring healing to my heart. God, I just pour my heart out to you. Come on, let me just, let me just remind you that God loves you like no other. And God hears and he cares about every cry that you, you feel and every pain in your heart. I love what David says in Psalm 142. It says this, I pray to you, Lord, I beg for mercy. I tell you all of my worries and my troubles. And whenever I feel low, you are there to guide me. I, I don't know who needs this word this morning, but I know this. I believe there's somebody that's going to walk out of here with renewed hope. That, that you don't have to live overcome by the discouragement lies of the enemy in your life any longer. Man, today is a day to begin again. God, help me to reset. Help me to renew my mind. Help me to cast all my cares on you. Why? Because you care for me. And then number three is this, and we'll wrap it up this morning. Let God's presence and power renew you. Let God's presence and power renew you. It, it's what God does in this story. He he shows up and he reminds Elijah that he's not alone. I don't know about you, but it's one of the worst aches and pains in my heart is, is, is when I'm alone. I've been married to Jen for 14 years now. Some of the worst nights for me are the nights where she goes and spends a night with her family or does something where she's gonna be gone. Man, when I'm alone, I hear everything in the house. Like all the creaks in the walls. I don't know how you are in your house. We're one of those noise machine houses, everybody. I mean, our neighbors probably think that a plane's about to take off when we go to sleep in our house. I mean, our boys got a noise machine. They got a fan. We've got the baby monitor, so we hear the noise machine from the kids' room piped into our room. But we've got our own noise maker in our room and the bathroom fan. 
and the noisemaker on the cell phone. That's right, we're crazy. <laughs> and let me tell you this. When Jen leaves the house, man, everything is full volume, man. I mean, I don't want to hear. I, I try to drown out all the, the creaks and the sounds and the things that, that remind me or make me feel like oh, I'm all alone. And in the story, God shows up to Elijah. He says, Elijah, get out of the cave where you're at. He said, I want you to stand out on the mountain, and I want you to wait for me. And it says this, that, that a wind blew, but it says God wasn't in the wind. And then it says an earthquake came, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then it said a fire fell, but God wasn't in the fire. And then it says Elijah heard the gentle whisper, and God was in the still, small voice. What is it saying to us today? Sometimes we just need to take a minute to drown out all the noise and let God whisper in our ear, I've got you right where I want you. You're not alone today. You may feel discouraged you may feel brokenhearted. You may feel like your life is a mess. But I do a good job of taking broken pieces and turn them into clay pots. I'm going to mold you and make you if you'll just trust me. If you'll just lean on me and know that I'm with you everywhere you go. If you believe it this morning, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Why don't you just bow your heads today as we close?